Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. There's no programming notes up front or anything to discuss, so let's go ahead and dive right on in. So one of the things that I've discussed on the show is that Democrats don't care about you. They don't care whatsoever. In fact, they view your death as an acceptable cost for political power. And as you know, Chicago has a big problem. Lots of murders that are going on. A lot of murders that, quite frankly, could be related to Democrat policies. Disarming victims, which emboldens criminals. The fact that they go through and they've been soft on crime, especially domestic terrorism if it's coming from left-wing groups. And of course, they do have violent gangs. And so this has been going on for a while, and people have been going off and pointing out that Chicago is pretty much the murder capital of the world, or at least of the United States. And some time ago, back during the Trump administration, President Trump had offered to provide help in bringing down the crime in the city of Chicago. And Lori Lightfoot rejected President Trump. Scoid, no, 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 no. We can handle this. Well, now what's happened? Well, Chicago mayor asked Biden for help stopping homicide after rejecting Trump's offer. Oh, yes. They couldn't have anything uh, that shows cooperation with the Trump administration. And they didn't want to do anything that would bring down the crime rates uh, so long as they could go off and try and blame Trump for it. Oh, it's because Trump is emboldening. Uh, criminals. Uh, Trump, his divisiveness was encouraging criminals of some sort. Yeah, no one was really buying that. But now, as the article reads, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot asked Joe Biden to send federal agents to the city to help stop the out-of-control violence in the city. Donald Trump had previously offered to do that, and Lightfoot made a big show out of rejecting Trump's offer. In July last year, Lightfoot sent a letter to President Donald Trump saying, what we do not need and what will certainly make our community less safe is secret federal agents deployed to Chicago. Any other form of militarized assistance within our borders that would not be within our control or within the direct command of the Chicago Police Department would spell disaster. Trump sent the agents anyway as part of Operation Legend, ultimately without the cooperation of the mayor's office. They were limited in what they could do to help the people of Chicago. Still, they did get some criminals off the street. Now that Biden is in office, Lightfoot is welcoming help from the feds for her poorly run crime-ridden city. I'm expecting those resources to be coming relatively soon, based upon our conversation I had yesterday, both with the ATF and the president. I've made no secret of the fact that I think this matter is of incredible urgency. I think the president's plan is to make a big difference in localities like Chicago this summer. So the clock is ticking, and I'm getting those resources on the ground and activated with local partners. The most effective way for them to really make a difference is to get here sooner rather than later. Now, what does this all mean? Well, if you were to go around and take a look, where crime rates are the worst, where murders are the worst, are in Democrat-run cities. Their policies are horrible. They're soft on crime. They're willing to go off and let criminals out of jail and basically do whatever they want without consequences, so long as they do it in the name of supporting 
Democrat and Democrat politicians. Over the course of the last year, they used coronavirus as an excuse to release criminals from the prison system, and they have done nothing to secure the borders. In fact, Joe Biden basically has an open border policy. So Democrats are releasing criminals from jail, disarming law-abiding citizens, and then doing nothing to prevent guns from flowing across the borders like drugs, getting into the hands of criminals. Now, they were willing and celebrating all of this crime and violence because they were able to go through and attack President Trump, saying, oh, it's Trump's failed leadership. But when Trump offered help, tried to offer resources, what would happen? It would be rejected out of hand. No, 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 we don't want to do anything because somehow that will make it worse. Well, now that Joe Biden is in office, after the Democrats have done everything they could to help the crime rate spike, now they're willing to go through and have federal help and getting their cities under control and trying to stop violence because they're trying to set up a narrative that Joe Biden was the law and order president, that Joe Biden solved crime across the country, even though the Democrats, if they wanted to, could have stopped all of this crime last year or the year before or the year before that or any time during the Trump administration by stop being soft on criminals, by actually enforcing the law or by accepting Trump's offer to help them get their cities under control. But they did everything that they could to block law enforcement, demonize law enforcement, and basically tell the criminals, hey, guess what? It is Christmas. They did everything they could to side with the criminals and help them be able to grow, spread, and embolden the criminals because they wanted to try and find something or some way to be able to blame it on Trump. And now that Trump's out of office, and you know my thoughts and opinions on that, and Biden has been installed into office, now they're going to start cracking down on crime. Now they're going to go off and accept federal help. Why? Because they can provide the political narrative. Crime rates surged under Trump, and it was gotten under control with Biden. See, this is how despicable the Democrats are. They're willing to let you die, and as many of you die as needed, in order to gain political power so long as your death provides a useful political tool, your sacrifice is well worth it to the Democrat Party. But the question becomes then, can the left actually get the criminals that they helped encourage and support under control? Can the left actually go through and clean up the streets, clean up the mess that they had made? Well, I don't know, because they've encouraged this and they've encouraged it through a lot of attacks and demonization of the police. For instance, from The Blaze, title, Everyone of Your Color Hates You. Leftist militants curse out and berate black Portland cop on camera. So it goes on to read, Cell phone video captured the moment leftist cursed out and berated a black Portland police officer to his face, even yelling, him that everyone of your color hates you. Another person asked, why are you standing with the white man? They enslaved our people and you're standing with him? Soon the officer said goodbye and tried to walk away from the mob. But not only did they continue to follow the officer and yell at him, one of his antagonizers went right up to him and walked just inches from him, continuing to berate him. As the officer walked to the patrol vehicle, his antagonist continued to verbally abuse him, 
lavishing him with F-bombs and calling him a bitch and some more. After he entered the car, one of the abusers screamed at the top of his lungs, Your ancestors hate you. Everyone of your color hates you. As the vehicle was seen departing the area, the crowd offered some parting shots, including, You put no fear in us and you ain't shit. And this is a perfect example here of why crime is so out of control in left-wing cities, because they have promoted hate of the United States. They've gone off and they have rewritten history, normally through complete lies of omission. They leave out a lot of key facts, a lot of key details, anything that doesn't meet their narrative. And then they go off and they've been attacking the police for years, giving false narratives about what happens in most of these police shootings trying to claim that the police are racist and just hunting down black people, even though you can see on video in some of these situations where the person that the police killed when they shot them uh, shot first at the police officers. You know, and so we see that they have encouraged the criminals, and then they go off and they demonize the police. And they're trying to go off and claim that somehow, somehow, if you're black in America today, then you are somehow suffering or you are somehow a victim of what happened 200 years ago, 150 years ago. So playing the victim for, by people who never actually suffered or never actually was oppressed or never actually had anything done to them, and yet they're playing the victims and they're blaming people who weren't actually the ones behind or doing anything. And this is one of those sick things. So you're supposed to be responsible for everything that your ancestors did. And yet, if you were to go off and go, well, what uh, responsibility do you bear uh, for your ancestors who were over in Africa capturing other uh, Africans and selling them into slavery? What, what do you have to bear? I mean, you're not allowed to ask that question. If white people are supposed to be responsible for the past, you know, for what happened before we were alive. Why isn't the same true for the black community? I mean, for a lot of us, you know, even though we are, you know, white, we had no part in slavery. Our family never owned slaves. Our family wasn't even here in the United States when slavery came on, maybe immigrated later on after slavery had ended. But somehow we're supposed to be held responsible and apologize for something that we neither did and that for a lot of us, our ancestors didn't even do. And yet, if you were to apply that same logic to them, what about their ancestors who were the ones that captured and sold the slaves to the white Europeans? Oh, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to do anything of that. So you see how they go through and omit certain key facts of history in order to fit a narrative so that they could try and blame old whitey without taking any responsibility for themselves for what their ancestors did. Now they're going, well, yeah, 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 but you know, my ancestors, some of them were uh, oppressed. And what gets to me also is that for a lot of them, their ancestors weren't even enslaved, even if they were here in the United States. It's not like every black person was enslaved. In fact, if you were to take the total population of black people in the United States and figure out how many of them were actually enslaved, you'd find out that it's not as high as what the Democrats would like you to think. There were a lot of free black people in the United States, both in the North and in the South, during that time. And so 
a lot of them who are wanting to go off reparations, you enslaved us, didn't, don't even have ancestors who were enslaved, especially if their family didn't even immigrate here until after slavery was already ended. But they still think that they are owed reparations and that police officers and everything about the United States is horrible. So we must tear it all down and rebuild it under the leftist socialist utopia. You see, the Democrats, they promote hate. They promote hate and, uh, through racism, and they promote hate for the country. And they, as they go off and they promote that hate, they go off and anybody who acts on the hate that the Democrats are promoting, they provide political protection for. They refuse to prosecute. And this right here goes off and shows the perfect example of why there is so much out-of-control crime in Democrat cities. They fostered it. They encouraged it. But now that the Democrats are in charge, they have to go off and claim that they are able to govern. So while they go off and they foster, promote, and actually aid and abet criminals when Republicans are in control and then block Republicans from being able to cut down on crime, when Democrats are in control, now that the criminals serve their useful usefulness politically, now they're willing to go through, tamp down on crime just a little bit so that they can claim that they provide protection and safety and all the criminal activity is under Republicans. Even though, even when a Republican is in charge, the places where the criminal activity is coming from is within Democrat strongholds. I mean, you understand how this con game works for the Democrats, and it's just like anything else. You don't matter when it comes to the Democrats. All that matters is political power. And if sacrificing your life is how they get political power, that is a price they are more than willing to pay. Okay, and switching gears here, the fight against critical race theory is only gaining in momentum. It's only getting bigger because the fight against critical race theory isn't just a fight against hate and racism. It's a fight against authoritarianism. Whether it's critical race theory, the transgender movement, the left has been trying to go through and force everybody to comply. And it doesn't require a majority of the people to agree. It just requires the Democrats to have people in certain key areas, a minority of people, in order to try and force their will onto the American people. So with critical race theory, they're forcing schools to go through and tell kids that if you're white, you're a horrible, evil, garbage person. If you're black, you're oppressed and you have no shot at life. Don't even bother trying. I mean, it is really sickening what it is that they are doing. And they force kids to go through all these exercises designed to demonize or destroy any uh, ambition in life. You know, trying to go off and make kids apologize for things that happened for hundreds of years ago before they were even born and somehow assume responsibility for that and then say that they are going to give up any hope of ever building a decent life for themselves in order to make way for black people. And yet, at the same time, they're telling the black community, don't even bother trying. I mean, it, it is horrible. But if they don't go along with it, what happens? They are being expelled from school if it's in the private school or they're being given uh, bad grades. They're being forced to comply or have their academic career destroyed. But yet this goes beyond the public school system. We see here that in businesses, they are going off and they are forcing their employees to go through critical race theory training 
to forcing their employees to, through compelled speech, to assume responsibility for things that they themselves never actually did or engaged in, or to take responsibility for you know their race and demonizing the entire race based off of the color of their skin. They're going through, and if they don't comply with this, what could happen? They could lose their job. Their finances or their income is completely destroyed and cut off, and they're no longer able to provide for their families. So they're forcing kids through the school system, compelling them to go through with critical race theory, and employers are forcing their employees. And then, of course, you got the social media companies, the big tech companies, going out and engaging in mass censorship to try and make it seem like critical race theory is popular, that critical race theory is the dominant view, and all of that. And if you speak out against critical race theory, what happens? Well, you'll be censored, you'll be uh, shadow banned, you'll have your reach on social media limited and cut off. I mean, they go off and say, either you comply or we're going to destroy your social media account and you won't be able to reach your audience or your friends and family members. And by the way, they do the exact same thing when it comes to the transgender movement. You know, the schools are going off and getting on kids if they don't use the preferred pronouns, if they don't accept that, you know, girls are boys and that boys can be girls. If you don't accept that, then you'll be in trouble, sent to the principal's office. You could be fired from your job for, quote, misgendering somebody, even though you're not misgendering them, you're just refusing to go along with a lie. And social media companies will even ban you from social media, deplatform you. If you go off and you start talking about the reality that transgenderism is not a real thing, people cannot change their gender. Scientifically, biologically, your gender is determined at the moment of conception and you have no say in what that gender is. Your biology, your development is all determined by your gender, which is determined by the set of chromosomes that you get. And yet they're forcing, forcing compelled speech to go along with this. And so that is part of the reason why the fight against critical race theory keeps mounting, keeps gaining steam, because people are, being, are getting tired here of being compelled through forced speech to go along with the left-wing agenda, are fighting against the authoritarianism. Either you bow down or your academic career is destroyed and your career is destroyed and your family's cut off from its uh, source of income and you have no way to provide for them. Bow down or your life will be destroyed. That is the authoritarian aspect of what is going on here, and that is why the fight against critical race theory is mounting and getting so big, because we understand that it's more than just the hatred and the racism that critical race theory promotes. It's the authoritarianism that the left is engaged in in order to try and ram this down our throats and tell us to accept it or else. And we can't wait until the next election cycle in order to try and hopefully at that point start taking action against critical race theory. No, no, no. We need to act right now. And of course, you have the typical rhinos and establishment class that is trying to tell us, as they always do, to don't fight don't bother, you know, just roll over and accept this, you know, and maybe in the next election, if we win, maybe we'll consider doing something to slightly limit it, 
but not actually do anything that is really effective. I mean, I know that we in the conservative movement are constantly being stabbed in the back by those who claim to be leaders of the Republican Party, although they don't seem to have any belief or anything in them that identifies them as conservative or Republican. You know, they're just wolves in sheep's clothing. And so we don't want to wait, and we don't want to rely on the hopes that some Republicans, if elected, will actually do anything. No, no, no. We need to take action right now. And that is exactly what is happening at the grassroots movement. All the parents showing up at school board meetings, the recall elections. And as I was going through and I was preparing for the show, I was thinking, what is one of the things that we could really do to nip critical race theory in the butt right now? And my thought was lawsuits, lawsuits, because critical race theory being taught in the public schools is actually illegal. It's actually done in violation of the laws, Title IX laws and so forth. Any law that bans racism and discrimination, critical race theory being forced in the schools violates those laws. And I'm glad that I'm not the only one that sees this. So from the red state, black mother discusses lawsuit against school over critical race theory. And the article reads, critical race theory is still all over the news as parents continue to vocally oppose its teachings in their children's classrooms. There has been story after story demonstrating that at least some teachers are injecting elements of the theory into the curriculum, essentially to teach students about racism in America. Yeah, they're not trying to teach about racism. They're trying to teach people to be racist. Big difference there. But in any event, the article goes on. Gabriella Clark, a black mother from Las Vegas, filed a lawsuit against her son's school in December for compelling him to participate in lessons in which he was labeled as privileged and an oppressor because of his European features. In this interview, Clark recounted how her son was treated and detailed the legal actions she has filed against the school. Clark is working with a group called No Left Turn in Education which is a grassroots movement of common sense parents, families, and citizens. We are working, or excuse me, we are workers of all kinds. We are attorneys, educators, social workers, scientists, and physicians that believe K-12 through education should be free from indoctrination and politicization, according to its website. And so, yes, this is what I was coming up with, is the fact that we just need to be filing lawsuits, lawsuits against the public schools for engaging in illegal activity, promoting racism, teaching racism, demonizing people based off of race. If you were to go off and take a look at federal statute and even state laws, critical race theory in the classroom is illegal because it is completely racist and you need to be filing lawsuits. You want to go through and file these lawsuits. Yes. And so as we go through, don't be dumb about it, though. Make sure that you are doing some shopping around for judges. Try and find which court, which district, and which area you can most likely get Trump-appointed judges. You know, try to go through and get conservative judges on this. Don't try and file the lawsuit where you have like a 99% chance of getting some activist Democrat judge. But go through and focus on getting conservative judges, especially those appointed by President Trump, because then you will have a better chance and a more fair chance 
at being able to go through and win these lawsuits based off of the merits of the case. And as lawsuit after lawsuit keeps mounting against the public schools and they keep losing and losing and losing and having to shell out a lot of money for their illegal activity for violating Title IX and so forth. As they go out and have to shell that, they're going to have to abandon trying to push critical race theory in the classrooms because every time they do, they will get sued. And once the precedent is set that critical race theory being forced on the students in the school system is illegal and, and you can sue for big money for that, for damages done to your kid, well then the schools will have no choice but to abandon it because the moment they teach it, there's going to be a lawsuit and they can't afford all of those lawsuits. And so this is the way in which you can end critical race theory quickly, so long as you get a good judge. And this mother is not the only mother that has figured this out. Now, when you go off and you take a look at this, you know, black mother, but the issue here is her son is mixed race. You know, uh, she is going through and she is married to a white man and they have a kid together. But because, you know, his father is white, they're labeling him as an oppressor and so forth. You know, and this is what I was talking about in the last episode, why people are not accepting of critical race theory is because of all of the mixed race families, you know, because America is not based off of race and we've gotten over racism by and large. And so you have a lot of mixed families, kids who have you know, one parent who is white, one parent who is black, or white and Hispanic, or Hispanic and black, or Asian, and all the different combinations. And parents don't like the idea that their kids are being taught to hate one of their parents, or because one of their parents is white, that they're told that they're a horrible, evil, garbage person. I mean, how do you really handle the mixed race and critical race theory? Telling them that they're horrible, evil, garbage people because on one side of the family, they're oppressors, but on the other side of the family, they're oppressed. Boy, what, what do we go by? Well, what features did they dominantly get? That's how we will label these mixed-race kids, and we'll teach them to hate one of their own parents. So this is why critical race theory has, our opposition to critical race theory has so much support. Now, it's not just this mother that has found out about these lawsuits. A personal injury lawyer finds a new practice area suing for kids harmed by critical race theory in school, according to the Daily Wire. And the article reads, a lawyer is making a practice area out of fighting for students subjected to the ideology of critical race theory in public schools. Even has a phone number, 1-866-SUE-WOKE. Now there's a phone number, SUE-WOKE. All right. So anyways, it goes on to read, one purpose of litigation is to create precedent that keeps the race-obsessed ideology that some called neo-racism out of public schools. Public interest law firms look for a few cases with specific fact patterns, volunteer to take the case for free, and aim to appeal them all the way to the Supreme Court. But there is another approach that may help more people in the short term. If you really clean a few clocks, sue the hell out of a couple of schools, the insurance companies are going to take notice. They're the ones who have to pay judgment against school districts, he said. The insurance companies are not woke. They are not anything. If they see this as a looming liability, they're going to send their adjusters out there and clamp down, he told the Daily Wire. 
it will actually be really interesting if lawsuits trigger enforcement not from the state, but from the insurance industry. There's emotional damage tied to First Amendment retaliation, the Title VI discrimination, Title VI being the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Any school that receives federal funds can't engage in discrimination. If you direct kids to label their identity or assign someone as an oppressor, that's compelled speech. Because their identities are forming, directing them to assert their gender or racial identity is compelled speech and invasion of privacy, which is a 14th Amendment violation, he said. All of this is to say one of the best and easiest ways in order to defeat critical race theory is to file the lawsuits. Because whether it's in the public schools or whether it's a corporation, engaging in racism is illegal. Engaging in discrimination is illegal. You can file lawsuits against the schools for engaging in practices that violate Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. You can sue the employers forcing their employees to go through critical race theory training because it's racially discriminating against their employees and file these lawsuits. After you start mounting up hundreds of thousands to millions to tens of millions of dollars in lawsuits, guess what? They stop doing this. Businesses aren't going to continue to go through and force critical race theory on their employees if every time they do that, they get hit with a dozen lawsuits for millions of dollars for engaging in racism and discrimination. Schools won't be able to afford to even attempt or even think about engaging in critical race theory because every time they do, they'll have dozens of parents filing lawsuits against the public school. Yes, when we go through here, thanks to all the laws that have been written over the decades, making racism, you know, racial discrimination illegal, whether it's public schools or in businesses and corporations, because of those laws, what they are doing here with critical race theory is illegal. They could try and play all the word games that they want, but when you get to the definition of what they are doing, the definition of racism, the definition of discrimination, they are engaging in illegal acts that violate the law and set you up to be able to sue the hell out of them. And this is what everybody should be doing. Anybody whose employer had them sit through critical race theory training, what you would want to do at that particular point is use your phone or heck, even if they tried to say, hey, you're not allowed to bring a phone in here, you have a second device able to record audio and make sure it has a really good microphone to record what it is that's being said in that training, take it to a lawyer and file that lawsuit. Heck, you might even be able to file a lawsuit big enough in order to make sure that you can retire and never have to worry about seeking employment ever again. And as far as schools, suing the school system allows you to go through and take that money and it may not be as much money as suing a, an employer, but it should be enough to ensure your child's education going forward, you know, being able to put it in mutual funds and then use the interest that it makes in order to be able to fund your kid's academic career, making sure that they have the best educational opportunities and can go to college for free. This is what you do. This is how you attack it by recognizing the, the legal violations that critical race theory entails. And so, yes, I'm very much pro sue the hell out of everybody who forces students and employees 
to go through and be subjected to the racism espoused by critical race theory. Lawsuits, lawsuits. And we can thank the Republicans for passing laws against discrimination, passing laws against racism. I know the Democrats like to try and steal credit for it, but let's face it, it was the Republicans that passed the Civil Rights Act. It was the Republicans that passed laws against discrimination because the Democrats, they love discrimination. They go through and they engage in racism because racism is how they believe they get power, divide and conquer. So I love these stories, and I love that other people are thinking the way that I am, and some of them even got to this point before I did, as far as recognizing the legal actions of critical race theory, the laws that it violates, and filing the lawsuits. Okay, so just two quick things here before I wrap up the show. All right, so we have another issue going on. As you know, Hunter Biden is now creating art and selling it. Now, maybe I need to do a little more research here, but I don't think Hunter Biden has engaged in art before. How, I mean, does he have a history of art or is this just a new hobby that he has decided to engage in? Just kind of like his employment of sitting on the board of Burisma. You know, it had absolutely no experience, no prior anything in such a field that would warrant such a position, but gets it because his father was vice president, gets paid large sums of money. It's a pay for play. It's money laundering. It's using his son to launder money to his father in order to bribe Joe Biden for certain things, such as Burisma being able to get a prosecutor looking into them fired with Biden after his son received sufficient amount of money going off and saying, fire that prosecutor or you don't get this guaranteed taxpayer loan to the, to the government of Ukraine. So now we got it. Hunter Biden is going off and he's creating art ready to sell it. And the article reads, Press Secretary Jen Psaki defends Hunter Biden's agreement with the New York City Gallery that will allow him to sell his art anonymously. A system has been established that allows for Hunter Biden to work in his profession within reasonable safeguards. Of course, he has the right to pursue an artistic career. She told reporters Friday about the agreement Ethics experts have expressed concerns that Biden's paintings will be used as a way to buy access to the White House since they will be sold for thousands of dollars. Saki did not answer questions as to whether or not the White House was involved in setting up the sales process. All interactions regarding the selling of art and the setting of price will be handled by a professional gallerist adhering to the highest industry standards. <laughs> yeah, right. Any offer out of the normal course will be rejected out of hand. The gallerists will not share information about buyers or prospective buyers, including their identities, with Hunter Biden or the administration, which provides quite a level of protection and transparency. <laughs> is anybody actually buying this? I mean, is anyone actually going through and believing any of this crap? I think it would be challenging, the article reads. For someone that we don't know and that Hunter Biden does not know to have influence, she added. Hunter Biden's art is expected to sell for prices starting at $75,000. Anybody who buys it would be guaranteed instant profit. He's the president's son. Everybody would want a piece of that. Okay, there are so many problems here. 
you can just chalk this up to another layer of why Democrats are so bad at governing. Because they're crooked, they're corrupt, they're constantly enriching themselves by selling their offices, you pay for play, selling access to their office, however it is you want to say it. This is a normal Democrat process. We saw it with Hillary Clinton. She did pay for play. Did she ever suffer any consequences for it? Of course not. The Democrats are completely corrupt. They believe government exists to enrich the Democrats to enrich the pockets of elected officials. Now, do you actually believe that these will be completely anonymous? No, no. What's going to happen is people are going to go through and buy top dollar for junk art as a way of bribing the Biden family in order to promote policies uh, that are favorable to the person buying the art. And this is nothing new for the Democrats. You know, they're constantly going through with schemes like this. I mean, criminals have been doing this for a very long time, whether it's drug dealers or, you know, gun smugglers or human traffickers. This is a part of how they launder money, how they clean their money, is that they just create a bunch of crap art, claim that it's very valuable, and then people will go off and take the money that they made through drugs or other criminal activities, and they'll have people buy that art, and then they can claim all their money and their profits are from the sale of art because, you know, they're great artists. The criminals have been using the selling of art, which doesn't have a fixed price, which is just within the eye of the beholder, in order to be able to go through and launder money. And that's what's going on here with the, with the Bidens. They're engaging in art as a way to be able to funnel bribes and make it look legitimate. They're selling their office. And is it any wonder that since Biden took office, it is one crisis after another? Because he's basically going off, taking bribes in order to implement policies that, while it's damaging to the most of us, helps the person doing the bribing. I mean, you think he's going off and promoting open borders just for a whim? No, I mean, part of that is trying to import people that they believe will be Democrat voters. Yes, but a lot part of that is employers looking for cheap labor, wanting to flood the labor market so that they can keep wages low and and people competing for jobs rather than employers competing for employees. I mean, this is really sickening how they go about doing this, and yet they get away with it every single time. And if the case goes through, let's say all of this art actually sells, the next Republican president should investigate this. This should be part of a criminal probe and a criminal investigation. You know that if uh, Trump's son, Eric or Don Jr., ever did anything like this, where they started creating art with their father in the White House and started selling off that art, we know how the media would react. We know how it would look. And yet, Democrats This is their new way of laundering money, right? Okay, and then, of course, uh, Cuomo goes out there and signs legislation to make it easier to sue gun manufacturers. Okay, this is another attempt to attack the Second Amendment, to disarm the public, and it is sickening. So basically, going off saying, well, none of our gun control laws have actually worked because, well, gun control is never designed to actually do anything uh, for the criminals. And giving the criminals a free pass on you know, committing crimes, well, that seems to have only emboldened them. So what should we do? Should we be tougher on criminals? 
No. Should we let uh, the citizens arm themselves for protection? No. What should we do? We should go after the gun manufacturers. Yeah, there we go. And claim they're somehow doing something illegal. No. And there, it never makes sense, you know, because the gun manufacturers are making a gun. The gun is for uh, a purpose, you know, self-defense or for hunting. All right. Those are the issues. Now, there's a lot more to the Second Amendment than that. But the gun, the gun manufacturers aren't, aren't going off and creating an illegal product. They're creating a legal product, and they're not responsible for what the criminals do. I mean, are car manufacturers responsible if someone goes off and buys their car and then uses it to start killing people by running them over, hit and runs, trying to kill as many people as possible? Would you be able to sue the car manufacturers for that? No. Why? Because it's not being used for its intended purpose. But they want to go off and try and declare that somehow the gun manufacturers are responsible for gun crimes. No, they are not. But the goal here is that since the Second Amendment prohibits gun control, even though the government violates that repeatedly, they may not be able to get enough to repeal the Second Amendment to completely ban guns. So what they're doing here is they're trying to set it up so that they can sue all gun makers into bankruptcy. And if there's no one to make the guns, well, then you can't get a hold of guns. And the Second Amendment is eliminated, you know, by de facto action. I mean, you can't exercise the Second Amendment if there's no one to produce the guns for you to buy. And it gets around because they could say, well, 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 we we didn't engage in gun control. We didn't ban guns. We didn't violate the Second Amendment. It's not our fault that these people are no longer in business to make guns because, you know, they were somehow um, supporting crime. I'm not sure how that logic works, but the Democrats go there. And so this is their attempts to get around the Second Amendment to go further into gun control that is already in violation of the Second Amendment is you can eliminate the Second Amendment just by eliminating the manufacturers of the guns so that there's no guns for you to buy to exercise your Second Amendment right. That's all this really is. That's all this comes down to what Cuomo is trying to do. All right. So that's it uh, for this episode. I'd like to thank you so much for listening in. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe, leave me a rating and review, and I will be back again soon.